Don't be wasting any time, I got somewhere to be. Always on the grind, yeah, you know me. All the crowd will Payback Time is a podcast that dives into the real story behind the person. How did they build their business? What challenges did they overcome? What mistakes did they make? And how did they achieve their goals? The overall objective is to provide you with a roadmap that leads to success. Sean Tepper is your host. Are you ready? It's payback time. Imagine moving to a new city and picking up a new job with just $1,000 in your bank account. My next guest has a history of taking risks, but through hard work, networking, and a high willingness to learn, you can come out just fine on the other side. In this episode, he talks about his journey to becoming both a realtor and real estate investor. Now today, he's a best-selling author and the owner of a real estate investing company that helps investors establish monthly cash flow and tax benefits. Please welcome Greg Young. Greg, welcome to the show. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, glad to have you here. So if you could, why don't you kick us off and give us your career backstory? Sure. So I'll kind of start where, um, you know, everything kind of starts. I grew up born and raised in Long Island, New York. So I'm a true New Yorker. I have all my sports teams from New York. Um, came out here to Arizona for college and uh, basically never really left. I lived in San Diego for about five years after college. And um, I actually moved from San Diego to Phoenix with about $1,000 in my bank account. So um, you know, talk about adversity. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew it was going to get done. So then I basically nice. settled here in Phoenix. And then that's when I became, um, you know, basically in real estate. I am a full-time realtor and I've been a real estate investor since 2012, which nice. I'm sure we're going to dive into. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's the 30,000 overview of my, uh, my backstory and we can kind of go any direction you want. All right. So I love stories like this, like a leap of faith, like I'm jumping out of an airplane without a parachute and hope I find one on the way down type scenario, right? Yep. <laughs> so $1,000, you moved to Phoenix. What did you start doing then to generate cash flow? Yeah. So um, actually, so I should have said before that I actually took a job as a admin person for the local county here. And um, I think I was making like 12 bucks an hour or 14 bucks an hour or something like that. But when you have $1,000 in your bank account, any money coming in is good money. So yep. um, so I did that for a little bit longer than I care to admit, probably like seven or eight years. Okay, And that's when the bug kind of hit me of, hey, I don't want to sit in a cubicle for the next 30 years. What am I really passionate about? Um, so I was just talking to a friend of mine who was also in real estate. And um, you know, he knew I was into real estate investing, but he said, hey, why don't you become a realtor? You know, you can really learn the business, you can learn the contracts, you can, you know, learn how to network and work on yep. your sales skills and also, um, you know, kind of propel your real estate investing career. So I said, hmm, that sounds really cool. I'm going to do that. So I took about six months, saved up some money and took another leap of faith, like you said, and just yep. quit my job and went into, you know, becoming a realtor full time, which um, is very scary because, you, you know, as you probably know, you get paid on the end of the cycle. Yes. So if you, you can work a lot of deals and not get paid, which is frustrating, but that's just the way the world works. So. Wow. That's impressive. Cause a lot of people I've talked to when they're starting a new venture, they, they kind of run it in parallel to a full-time job. So they have that sustainability and you, cause you did the, the risky option first, probably the second time around. And I'm assuming was, this is known territory. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Right. Yeah, it felt, it felt a little bit more comfortable, but at the same time, sure. it was a bigger risk. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I was not smart enough back then to realize the risk. I'm pretty sure, sure I was, but um, it was just one of those things where 
you know, I was what, 35 years old and I was just had to make a decision, made a hard decision yep. and went with it. That's, that's awesome. So I want to put things on a timeline a little bit. What year was it when you moved to Phoenix? That was about 2005 or so. Okay. So I wanted to ask that question because depending on when you started real estate, I was thinking about the recession. So you definitely worked this admin job through the recession. You get to, you know, you said seven years. So yeah, that brings us to about 2012. Is that about mm -hmm. right? And that's yeah, exactly. You, okay. Nice. So you got into the real estate market just at the right time. That's when things started picking up. Okay. Yep. Um, nice. Okay. And I, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I heard Phoenix is a pretty good real estate area. I guess most of the states are, but it's definitely a, a metro area where that's growing very quickly. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Phoenix has a lot of uh, jobs coming here. A lot of people are coming here. Sure. Um, you know, which obviously you know correlates with jobs and people. They kind yep. of go hand in hand when they're moving out of state. But yeah, a lot of people from the Pacific Northwest. You know, they're moving here. A lot of Californians. They're realizing you know they can sell their two million dollar home in San Jose and come to Scottsdale and get something for 600,000. Nice. And so it, it, it correlates very well for Phoenix. And um, yeah, Phoenix is hot right now. It's a super seller's market as a realtor. Um, so yeah, a lot of good things um, you know, are ticking in Phoenix's direction right now. Okay. Okay. So then from 2012, let's lead up to the real estate investing. And I really want to dive into that because that's, that's where some really solid residual revenue is generated, which um, I'm all about. This podcast is all about, but we definitely interview people who don't have that, but I like to arrive there. But anyway, um, when did you start real estate investing? What year was that approximately? It was, uh, so it was actually in 2012. Um, I purchased my first ever home in 2010. Like you said, right after the recession, just happened to be dumb luck and great timing on my part. But um, I bought a townhouse here for basically pennies on the dollar in 2010. Nice. A couple of years later, I bought another home with the help of my uh, my parents and turned that first house into a rental. And all of a sudden I was a landlord You know, I wrote a lease. I'm pretty sure that lease was not properly uh, well done, You know, looking back at it now, but it sure. got the job done. Um, so yeah, at that point I had one rental and that was 2012. And then from there, um, me and my wife, you know, purchased a single family here and there. And then um, in the past three or four years, we've actually got into um, notes and also investing as a limited partner in bigger syndication deals, which we can kind of talk about if you'd like. Sure, sure. So it sounds like you got into the realtor, you know, business model as well as investing at about the same time. Is that right? Uh, the realtor came in 2015. So roughly ah. about two or three years after, but Okay. Yeah, in timeline perspective, pretty close, two, three years. So you actually were an investor before becoming a realtor. Okay. Yep, exactly. Got it. So you, you get the commission revenue, you know, from the realtor business. And then of course the reoccurring revenue from the properties. So, okay. Cause I know your first property 2010 through 2015, you were doing that. How many properties did you acquire during that time? Just curious. Um, during that time, I think it was two single families. I want to say okay. I'm a I'm a slow mover when uh, you know I'm trying to figure things out, but once I figure it out, then I can just whoosh and take off. So yeah, there you go. Okay, great. So now, what it, what is really your specialty? You still focus on the single family, or you start working on these bigger notes that you were just alluding to a moment ago? Yeah, so we haven't really done a couple of single families in a while. We still have uh, I think four or five sure. in our portfolio, and then yeah, I really like notes for investing in like self-directed IRAs or a solo 401k. As a realtor, I have one of those as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just kind of a different animal. It's on the other side of real estate, but it's also yep. 
very similar where it's collateralized and you get that return. Um, but actively what I'm working on right now is, aside from being a realtor, is syndicating. So, you know, I mentioned I'm, me and my wife, we've participated as a limited partner in four or five deals. And that's basically just passive. You, um, you know, you vet out the sponsor, you make sure the deal makes sense. It's in a good area that you like and the numbers yep. work. But on the active side, you're pretty much putting together that deal. You're finding the deal, um, finding the demographics, finding the investors to invest with you. So similar, but very different. Um, a lot more stress and anxiety when you're putting mm -hmm. together the deal. But that's what I'm kind of focusing on at this point with a couple of business partners here in Phoenix in the residential assisted living niche. Got it. Okay. I've got a bunch of questions. I want to really dive into that in a moment. So let's just uh, pause that for a second. Can you explain to the audience, what is a self-directed IRA in real estate and what is a self-directed 401k? Sure. So most people, if you work a W-2 job, you know they, they'll give you the 401k with one of those mm -hmm. bigger companies. Um, a self-directed is one where you can actually, um, you have a little bit more flexibility and you have more direction of your funds. So, you know, if you're working, like I know my wife works at W-2 and um, with her 401k, she cannot invest in real estate or notes. The company just won't allow it. But a self-directed is basically, um, it's still a 401k, but you are in more control. So you can invest in notes, gold, sure. uh, real estate. So it gives you more flexibility. And then same thing for the, the 401k. Um, the solo 401k is for a solo entrepreneur like mm -hmm. myself as a realtor. So I don't have any employees or anything like that. So that gives me another retirement account that I can feed money into and again, invest in gold and notes and, and real estate in that way. Got it. So my area of expertise is, is stock market. So investing in stocks, I primarily serve the self-directed retail investor. And a lot of these people use platforms like TD Ameritrade, E-Trade, Robinhood. Those are like the big three here in the States. So can mm -hmm. people buy real estate via any kind of software? Is this a particular software you use or recommend? Um, so as far as company goes, I use mm -hmm. um, Advanta, Advanta IRA. That's okay. the one that was recommended to me. I did some research when I uh, signed up for them uh, probably three years ago at this point. Sure. And there's a whole bunch of companies out there. So Advanta is not the only one. That's just the one that I happen to land on. But yeah, there's several companies out there that do exactly what I'm talking about and give you that, that flexibility to invest in your uh, solo accounts. Got it. So it sounds like that's a, would you call it like a broker that's focused on real estate? Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They, they, they focus on those alternative investments is what they're called. So. Got it. Okay, great. That that gives my audience and really myself that was asking the question uh, what that means. So let's go back to the syndication and what you were describing there sounds similar to like I have experience in the venture capital space. Like let's say you want to invest in a tech business, we'll call it tech business XYZ. You have to then go out and raise funds from LPs, limited partners, into the fund. So what you were describing there and you're kind of like the manager of this fund, if you will, are you kind of doing the same thing as you're raising funds from um, people who have the money available to invest in like a new property or development? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's not actually a fund. I know the there is okay. the, the fund model, which is very uh, prominent in real estate, which is something I might look into in the future. Sure. Um, but yeah, the way I kind of describe it is, it's kind of like a joint venture where I say, Hey, Sean, this is my deal. This is the numbers. This is what it looks like. If you want to invest, the minimum investment is, let's say, $25,000. And then you say, okay, great. That sounds awesome. Let me look at the deal. If you want to invest, then um, then yeah, then we're in a partnership. You know, it's, it's more of a syndication from the legal standpoint, from mm -hmm. the SEC and the paperwork. 
Um, but yeah, essentially that's exactly what we're doing. We're reaching out to friends, family, and our network yep. to let people know, Hey, this is what I'm doing. If you're interested, let's talk. And then we'll kind of see where it goes. And if it's a great investment for you, cool. If it's not, that's cool too. Um, right. you know, there's no twisting your arm when it comes to investing or sales in my world. So. Got it. Okay. Very, very similar model. Now, how many different individual investors for a single property or maybe a single development will you go out and reach out to? Are we talking like a handful or are, you, are we talking like 50, 100? Um, so I'm not at the 50, 100 mark yet. Okay. Um, so I'm kind of in the beginning of my syndication career here. But um, but yeah, typically, um, I mean, I know one deal we have, we were looking for three investors. So it was a smaller mm-hmm. deal. Um, another one, we were looking for six or seven investors. So kind of climbing that ladder a little bit. So yeah, it just kind of depends on the deal size and um, you know the minimum that we're looking to take. Obviously, if we're looking at a hundred thousand dollar minimum, then we're looking to raise five hundred thousand. Then it's only five investors. I mean, if you decrease that, it'll be more investors, as you can figure out. So, um, so yeah, it kind of varies and just depends on the the size of the deal and how much um, each individual can come in with. Totally. Okay. So let's talk about the types of properties that you're you're bringing people together for. Are these residential? Are these commercial? Can you give us a little context there? Yeah. So these properties are, they're um, residential houses. It's called residential assisted living. So basically what it is, it's uh, the way I kind of describe it. It's a, it's a big fancy house and usually a nicer neighborhood where the residents, you know, the elderly people who need that care, um, you know, they can each live there. And usually there's about 10 residents in a house is kind of what we shoot for. But again, but we're only owning the real estate and then we lease it to the operator who runs the business to take care of those elderly residents. Got it. So we're not on the operation side. We're not on the healthcare side. We're just kind of sticking to the real estate, which is what we know. And um, yeah, and that's kind of our business model. We put in a longer lease. So usually it's a four or five year lease. We create those cash flows for ourselves and our investors. Yep. And um, we really like it because it you know creates the, the cash flow for us, for our investors. It also helps the residents. You know, they need a place yep. to live. And also it creates those jobs for um, that, that business who is you know, creating jobs for the caregivers and the vendors. So it kind of, it has that nice trickle down effect where everybody is, you know, just, it's in a win, win, win situation. That's awesome. So is this your niche? You really focus on the assisted living type facility market? Yeah. So this is our niche. Um, We've been focusing on it probably for about six months or a year. And um, like I said, we have a couple of deals under contract. So we're just kind of getting our our feet wet and figuring out all the systems and processes. But uh, but yeah, we really love this niche and um, yeah, looking forward to continuing in it. That is awesome. Okay. So what's your objective here? What are your goals for this business? Can you give us the roadmap? Yeah. So our goal is to, you know, obviously just keep continuing, um, you know, working on our systems and processes, but also mm-hmm. just really scale this business to, to bigger and better things. You know, like we talked about earlier, um, we were talking about, you know, a fund. So I think that might be in our future for sure. uh, raising capital because I know it's a uh, little bit different animal. I think it's easier in some ways and probably more challenging in other ways, just like everything else, there's pros and cons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're really looking to to grow this business, um, you know, and sure. scale up and just kind of continue and rinse and repeat and just enjoy the journey. That's the main thing. Sure. I'm curious now, how many employees do you have? Is it just you and your wife or do you have a uh, staff with you? Um, so no staff. It's actually just me and two business partners on the residential assisted living side. Okay. Um, so yeah, kind of rolling things. We're, we're running pretty lean and mean at this point, and eventually we'll probably have some, you know, sure. bookkeepers and that kind of thing. But right now we're just uh, managing it all ourselves. So. That's the beauty of real estate. It's not like you need a lot of uh, human capital, like a lot of people operating, especially at the level you're at. Um, mm-hmm. But I could see if you start scaling up, that's uh, that's a maybe. But the 
the growth potential and revenue in dollars is is pretty pretty big, especially if you're in the senior living community niche. So good for you. That's great. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you feel like stock investing is too confusing, too time-consuming, or too risky? It doesn't have to be. Ticker gives you the power to manage your own investments, reduce risk, and beat the market along the way. If you ever considered investing on your own but don't know where to start, Ticker is your solution. Ticker safely guides you through your investment journey, finding on-sale stocks and showing you why those stocks are on sale, giving you the confidence that you're making a wise investment. I created Ticker because, number one, I wanted to remove emotions from investing. In other words, I wanted a software to make buying and selling decisions for me so I don't have to. And number two, I wanted to save time. Analyzing businesses can take hours, if not days, and I didn't want to invest the time. Again, I wanted a software to do it for me. I've been using Ticker the last five years to generate average returns ranging between 15% and 50% per year. Seeing that I was generating consistent returns multiple years in a row motivated me to turn this into a software to share with others. If you're interested, you can get started with a free trial. Visit ticker.pro. That's T-Y-K-R.pro. Again, ticker.pro. Um, could you share with us whether it's the journey going back to starting as an admin or even making the transition to real estate and investing, were there any like troubling or challenging moments you faced um, that do you have a story you could share with the audience? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like you said, probably probably jumping from the admin role to realtor. Um, okay. you know, I think I kind of talked about it earlier and I kind of breezed over a little, a little bit like it was mm -hmm. just an easy transition. Um, it was not. So I'll tell you in the first six <laughs> months, I think I probably made like eight grand or 12 grand or something like wow. that. You know, luckily I had my, my wife to support me and she was, she's very supportive. She's always, she always has been, but, um, you know, looking at those numbers, I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Am I doing, I had a lot of self-doubt and a lot of limiting For beliefs, sure. um, at that point, especially in the first six months or even year. So, you know, I had my doubts and I was like, oh, should I continue? Should I go back to W2? Um, but you know, something just, I surrounded myself with the right people that basically said, you know what, you got this, you can do this, no problem. So it just kind of gave me that extra boost of confidence to really just keep going and, and don't quit. So right. that's exactly what I did. But, um, yeah, there was a lot of times that was just one of them. That was probably the biggest one, just making that transition and not knowing what I'm doing, not really getting paid for what I was doing in the first six months. <laughs> um, you know, really just kind of hit my, it really hit me mentally very harder than I had ever been hit before. So, um, so yeah, that was one of my biggest, um, you know, sure. challenges and overcoming adversity for sure. Let's talk about how you got out of it. So, you know, mindset is one part of the equation, you know, over, like you said, you had a limited mindset. So overcoming that, I'd like to talk about that a little bit, but then I'd like to talk about what, what were the moves you made to increase the revenue. So let's touch on the psychology first. Did you, you said you got around the right people. Did they kind of coach you through and give you the right feedback to keep going? Or did you dive into books or YouTube or what? Yeah. So I actually did a lot of those things. And I realized, you know, I was, I was looking at the how-to more than why I was doing it and the mindset and the personal development side, um, you know, which you need both sides of it. You obviously need to know how to be a good salesman and how to write a real estate contract. That kind of goes without saying, mm -hmm. but I was, I was really focusing more time on the how-to and not um, on the personal development and putting myself around the people that can really move me forward. So once I kind of made that transition and 
I made that transition kind of later, but yeah, getting around the right people, getting in a, a, you know, I'm in one mastermind and the mastermind has just been phenomenal. I'm surrounded by successful entrepreneurs. Some of them are even, you know, W2s. It doesn't even matter. They're just have that right mindset of, um, you know, personal development and morning routines and listening to podcasts. Um, so that really just, you know, I, I love personal development now. I, I hate to say this, but I probably love it more than real estate. Um, <laughs> just because sure. it's, it's such a foundation for everything, for for business, for relationships, for health, um, you know, which I can kind of go into as well. But um, but yeah, personal development really changed my life, you know, business-wise, personally. Um, so once I started focusing on the the people and the why and not yep. so much on the how, um, that's when really things just really started to take off and really things just started to really click in my mind and things just became easier, you know, and it's it's a great feeling. That's that's great. So can you share with us who are the some of the individuals you kind of gravitated towards? Is there anyone we would know? Like I know there's a lot of gurus out there we we all recognize in this space. Yeah. So I have a, a quick story. Um a couple of years ago, two years ago in uh, summer of 2019. Me and my wife, we signed up for, I'm sure you're familiar or maybe familiar with the real estate guys, Robert Helms and Russell Gray. Um, they're big players in the real estate world. And um, they host an event, um, I think it's two or three times a year, where it's their Belize discovery trip, where you go down to Belize and basically Robert Helms was the, the host. And um, he has development there. He's very uh, well known in Belize. So yeah, he basically takes you around and just... Um, you know, introduces you to different vendors, talks about the real estate, the people, the country. So me and my wife, we always want to go to Belize. And um, so we signed up. We actually went there five days prior just to do, you know, vacation and snorkeling and all that fun Caribbean stuff, which we love. Um, After that trip, I basically, that was the first domino. So I always credit Robert Helms with knocking down my first domino. And that just introduced me to um, a couple other individuals who we invested with in Belize and then they drew me into the mastermind. And now those two are a gentleman, Ryan and Curtis. They're good friends of me and my wife now. We're in book clubs together. And um, those are there are two examples of the exact people that I want to be around. Successful, smart, positive, encouraging. Yep. Um, yeah. So that was basically my intro. So with Robert Helms and that he just knocked that domino over into uh, Ryan and Curtis and the mastermind. And there you go. Am. Chain reaction. That's great. It, it sounds like you definitely surround yourself with the right people. And there's there's rules I think we've all read in the past, like you're you're really only going to be successful as the people who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're nailing that aspect, right, for business and personal, because there were probably a, a ton of fun to be around, you know, from a personal standpoint. And of course, business, there's the advantage there as well. So that's that's great. Um, let's circle back to the point I was making before. I really like I like numbers, metrics, actions. So let's talk about six months making, you said about 12,000, you know, so you're on track to make 24K in a year. (laughs) It's struggling. I mean, hey, a lot of business owners out there, they're they're less than that. So that's that's, uh, not the worst I've ever heard. But what did you do to start increasing the income? What happened? Yeah. So one thing that I did and I still do to this day is I started tracking everything because I realized I didn't really know where I was faltering, where I was doing well when I was making that 12 grand. Was it luck? Was it, you know, prospecting? Was it, you know, I really didn't know. So I really just dove into creating an Excel spreadsheet. Very simple. Did you make your 20 calls today? Did you knock on 20 doors or whatever, you know, whatever you were doing as a realtor? Um, So I just started tracking it and really asking other realtors, um, successful realtors, 
hey, what do you do? Like, um, oh, I just started out. Again, it's, like you said, surrounding yourself with the right people, but it's also asking those questions to the right people and say, hey, you're pretty successful. Did you struggle in the beginning? What did you do? And then realtors and just people in general, they're pretty open to sharing their success stories because it makes people feel good to talk about their successes, right? So, um, you know, somebody asks me about my success, kind of like you're doing, I'm an open book because it's fun to talk about successes, right? So so yeah, that's one thing that I really did and I still do to this day, even with syndication. Um, Hey, you're a great syndicator. What have you done? You know, what was the big mistake that you made that I want to avoid? So just asking the right people, the right questions, and I'm not afraid to ask people questions. So that's right up my alley. That's that's awesome. I love that you're really boiling it down to the numbers. You know, things you can you can actually control, like how many calls can you make per day, or dial mm-hmm. it, go even further down, and per hour, right? You mm-hmm. you start measuring those things, and those little moves really add up. I imagine. Yeah. Of course, yeah, they definitely do. It's just the compound effect. It'll just keep on, you know, going, 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 and then all of a sudden you realize, oh wow, I've been doing this for six months or a year without even thinking about it. And, you know, we can talk about habits and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, it just, it all trickles down. That's awesome. Okay. So what do you focus on more these days? Is it more the investments or is it more of the realtor side of your business? Um, So more of the investments at this point, um, I do, you know, I do like both sides of it, but I do really enjoy the investing side more just because I feel like there's more to learn on the real estate investing side. There's a lot that I don't know um, because there's so many different niches and strategies and creative financing. Um, Mm. As a realtor, I don't want to say it's, you know, rinse and repeat, but a lot of it is rinse and repeat unless you're switching to a different niche or a different demographic. But, you know, being in Phoenix, I've been here as a realtor here for five, six years. The market has changed a little bit, but it's not like I'm, you know, moving to Florida where it's different market, different rules. So um, I definitely like the real estate investing side a lot more. That's awesome. I, I really like your niche. I think you're in the right area, um, you know, part of the country. I think that's great. I really like your business model. You know, there's, there's, I love pretty much all the businesses I hear about on this podcast, but when you've got a business model that's really producing some solid residuals, you know, I, what I look at is the flip side of that equation, which is freedom. You know, mm-hmm. you've got the freedom to do what you want free time to enjoy more out of life. So you don't have to work, work around the clock. So, so yeah, that's awesome. Do you, are you somebody you would feel has a strong work-life balance? Do you like real estate investing from that standpoint? Yeah, no, I definitely do. Sometimes I do feel like I work, um, you know, there's a couple of weeks where I'm showing clients and I have deals going on and I feel like I'm working 10, 12 hours a day for sometimes six, seven days a week. Um, and other times it's just like right now, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm calm, but I have mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, two or three clients in contract. So it's not a crazy weekend showing clients. So it's a little bit more, more calm, but sometimes the wave comes in and it's just like, Oh my God, there's a lot going on. And <laughs> other months it's just like, all right, I can handle this. There's, sure. there's more balance and you can kind of, um, yeah. So it just kind of depends. But like you said, it's, it's more about control and having that time freedom, which is something that I'm really striving for. Nice. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, before we jump into the rapid fire round, is there a question that I should have asked you and didn't? Um, wow, that's a really that's a good question. Um, no, I think honestly, I just this is a fun conversation. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, whatever questions you want to fire at me, but nothing comes on top of my mind. So. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for diving into you know the realtor side as well as the the real estate investing. I think that's uh, you gave people a good. Um, good overview of how to get started with you. And I think, you know, we'll open it up 
at the end, if people want to contact you and get, get started with real estate investing in your specific niche. But um, let's dive into the, the rapid fire round here. So this is the part of the episode where we get to find out who Greg really is. <laughs> so if you could try to answer each question in 15 seconds or less. You ready? Yep, let's go. All right. First question. What is your favorite podcast? Favorite podcast is uh, How Elrod Achieve Your Achieve Your Goals podcast. Okay. Never heard of it. Hmm. All right. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? Um, so I'm actually reading this one for our book club, The 8-Minute Mastermind. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I, um, I'm starting to read it and it looks like a great book. And um, yeah, that's, uh, that's one I'd recommend. Nice. Okay. All right. All right. What is your favorite movie? Oh, favorite movie. Ew. We kind of talked about this earlier, either Back to the Future or The Goonies. If it's on TV, Ooh. I'm watching either one of them. Nice. I, I had a guest on recently who said The Goonies as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Classic. All right. What is your favorite food? Um, favorite food being from New York and half Italian, uh, chicken Parmesan. Love it. Cook it. Eat it all day long. There you go. All right. How many hours do you work per week? Um, it varies, but definitely more than 40 and hopefully less than 70. Okay. <laughs> Quite a range there. <laughs> yep. All right. How many hours do you sleep each night? Um, I'm a good sleeper. So probably eight, eight and a half hours. I really value my sleep. Nice. Good for you. Most people are less than eight by a long <laughs> shot. All right. What is your workout regimen? Um, so I do the morning routine, the podcast that I mentioned for Hal Elrod. He has a whole morning routine, the miracle morning. Um, so yeah, I basically do that every morning. It's meditation, breathing, working out. Um, yeah, I do that every morning, um, religiously. Okay. And what, what kind of working out are we talking like you go for a jog or you hit the gym? Um, so I take my dog, uh, for uh, two walks twice a day or one yeah, twice a day. And then, um, I also do a stationary bike, probably 20 or 30 minutes every, every day. So I just nice. like the bike. Good for you. That's great. All right. And last question here. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? So the age I would visit would probably be um, like between 20 and 25. And the advice I think would be very, um, very simple, especially coming out of this podcast would be start personal development right away. Um, no matter what you do, don't worry about real estate. Don't worry about the house. Just get into personal development, get around the right people. And that will lay the foundation for your future success. I love it. You you are one of the first people, if not the first, that recommended that. And that is that rings so true because they actually don't teach that grade school, middle school, high school, or even college. It is yep. is overlooked. Yeah. There needs nice. to be stronger emphasis. Glad to that. be the first. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. I'll turn it over to you. Where can the audience reach you? Great. So my website is sevenfigurecapital.com. It's all spelled out. And if your audience members want to email me directly, it's just greg at sevenfigurecapital.com. Awesome. All right, Greg. Well, thanks for your time. This is great. Great. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. All right. We'll see you. Don't be wasting any time. I got somewhere to be. Always on the grind. Yeah, you know me. All the crowd will be mine. You can call me king. Hey, I just want to say thanks for checking out this podcast. I know your time is valuable and there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. So thanks for taking the time to listen to my guest story. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, could you head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review? That would be much appreciated. Thank you. And last but not least, on this podcast, uh, some episodes we do talk about stocks. And please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So if you did hear any buy or sell recommendations, please don't make those decisions based solely on what you hear. All right. 
Thanks a lot. See ya.